Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're re- enacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email. You know, I get lots of interesting emails all the time, and people are wondering, what is going on, Carol? Um, We heard you're retiring, and we want to know, are you taking clients? We want to see you. So I thought I'd talk to you a little bit before Reese Buccino comes on to talk about his podcast and his sober living uh, circle. You know, okay, so I'll never retire. I just know I won't. (laughs) I want to. But A, I love what I do. And B, I can't imagine, depending on... 401k right now, if you know what I mean. And um, I really thought I would retire so that I could create different projects. The truth of the matter is, I mean, I just wrote Help Them Heal, and I thought I would do that in retirement, and uh, that didn't happen. And I want to do workshops for couples. And I thought I'd wait till I stopped seeing clients, but I continue to see the clients I have. And that means that i got to get going on these workshops. And you know that I've got a couple of those coming up. And I wanted to educate counselors and coaches all over the world on IRCA, the Early Recovery Couples Empathy Model. I really felt like that was important because this is a partner-sensitive couples program where the couple works together to help her heal and also to build the necessary foundation forward in their lives. And we all know that this partner betrayal and sex addiction can take a couple down. And, And so I wanted to teach 
clinicians and coaches the right way to do it. And and so that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that with the different organizations that I'm a part of. I've done it for APSAP for about a year and a half. You all know that that's the, the partner-sensitive organization that trains clinicians and coaches how to keep partners safe. They do an amazing job. I want to do that with ITAP. That is the organization that, that certifies sex addiction therapists and pastoral counselors. And so that's a really exciting thing. I want to do it for the Society for the Advancement of Sexual Health, SASH. To be able to do that means that I just cannot be stretched quite so far. And so, yes, I'm not taking clients. I am doing consultations. It was three to five, but what I found out is it makes much more sense to do five to ten consultations. And that way I can help get you to the right people, the people that I think are the best in the industry, or the people that are in your state that you may not be aware of. And I can do workshops for you, and I can run partner groups and sex addict therapy groups and helper heal groups. And I do want to do a help them heal group. Now, the criteria for that is that you need to have read the book. And this book is 300 and, well, I've got it right here, but I think it's 360 pages. Um, so I've got to give you a little time because it just came out in June, five weeks ago. So to do those groups, I'm going to walk you through this together and develop support. And that's what I've always wanted to do. So I've got a lot on my plate that I want you to know that my goal as I lean into retirement is really to connect you to the people that absolutely know how to work with you the best as an addict, as a partner, or as a couple. And there are a lot of people out there. That being said, I am super excited about our guest today, um, Reese Pusinio and I'll have to make sure I got that last name right, uh, is, is an amazing clinician uh, who's also a certified alcohol and drug counselor and soon to be a certified IFS practitioner. He is and produces, he is the podcast uh, professional and produces the Outer Circle Inner Stillness podcast. And today he's going to be talking to us about the sober way of life. Um, he really believes that recovery is much more than just behavior change. It's that transformation I'm always talking to you about of the whole person. And so he's going to talk about his spiritual journey as well as what, what his clients likely experience when they're on their spiritual journey. So... Whenever I've got somebody who's willing to talk about what Patrick Carnes taught me, which of course was that somebody who has great recovery uh, is much more likely to have been through excruciating suffering that leads to a real enlightenment and transformation and then full circles it by giving back to others, and I do believe that's what Reese has done, uh, and that's what he's going to be talking about today. 
So, Reese, welcome to Sex Health with Carol the Coach. Hi, Carol. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, you know, I remember hearing about you on our listserv and saying, I've got to contact this guy. I've got to find out about his podcast. I've got to find out about his principles. I've got to find out about his spiritual journey. Um, and so I contacted you and you said, yeah, I'd love to, to come on the show. So can I ask you to first share with our listening audience, you know, well, what's the story behind your podcast? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, well, I mean, part of the story is, I mean, I, just, I, I like to talk and I have opinions and I like to talk about my, about my opinions because there's always that. Uh, but uh, more seriously, so like you mentioned, I'm uh, an addictions counselor, also in recovery, and the major part of that has always been facilitating groups. And so I facilitate a couple men's recovery groups. And one thing that I started noticing in my groups was uh, these guys who would, you know, labor to get their initial sobriety. And then um, once they had it, some of them, they would be asking, okay, so now I've gotten clean, I've gotten the software, I've done the um, work into disclosure or whatever, but now what? How do I live as a sober person? Or how do I tell, how can I tell that my sobriety is working? And, and they were especially getting questions from their partners who were, watching, okay, so my, my husband, my boyfriend, he's, he's going to groups, he's going to session, he's not talking to me yet, how do I know anything's going on? Uh, and there's a lot going on there. But, but part of it came out of wanting to really explore uh, what, what is a sober way of life um, and how can you tell, like what makes a sober person different? Um, so there's, there's that strong theme in the podcast. And for me also, uh, just through my life and my professional growth and my spiritual growth, I had just started noticing a lot of correlations between a sobriety process and uh, spiritual growth. Uh, spiritual disciplines and sobriety work, they, they seem to overlap and use a lot of the same tools, sometimes use similar language, sometimes work towards different things, um, work towards similar things. And so I wanted to explore that. I wanted to explore how do these two disciplines inform each other, what can they learn from each other, um, how can the clinical world speak into more of like the church world. Um, what can the clinical world gain from the, the faith community? And, uh, and in there is this idea of like growing in, growing in the, the inner life as, as a strong priority. So that's kind of the story of the podcast. Okay. And so do you openly then talk about your own personal journey? Um, yeah, yes, yes and no. I got, like, I don't hide it at all. I don't, um, I don't have any secrets really. Um, but I, I don't necessarily lead with my own journey all of the time. Um, uh, more just in passing, um, when I'm in a discussion group or interviewing someone, I mean, my goal is to really like draw attention to the, the best parts of the listener. So, or the best parts of the person I'm interviewing. Uh, and so where my story is useful as point of reference, I'm happy to share. Um, but yes, I am pretty open with my own story. Well, got it. And, you know, both of us are certified sex addiction therapists, and we know that when a man or a woman struggles with one addiction, they typically struggle with several. And so, you know, I was going to ask you, because obviously 
you believe so strongly that a recovery process needs to be a spiritual one. And Patrick Karn says that typically that means they have to hit rock bottom when they're willing to uh, surrender to the process of something bigger than themselves creating that recovery, you know, co-creating that recovery. Um, Tell me, what is your belief in how people get sober? You know, what is that sober way of life? Two questions, really. Yeah, how do how do people get sober? How do people grow? How do people find healing? Um, yeah, big question. So um, that is, I mean, that is a lot of what we I've been exploring in little bits over the podcast. Uh, generally speaking, though, yeah, there there comes a point, and sometimes that point looks like a rock bottom point. But there, we were we're brought to a point of of readiness. We're brought to a point where we're ready to learn, ready to grow. Um, thinking through, you know, my story and some different growth points. Um, I, I might be a little bit different in that I, I maybe never quite hit like a, a rock bottom point where my life was completely unmanageable, lost everything, major trouble, major consequences. But I, um, I mean, I have had some difficulties and I'd say um, probably like, like the leading up to when I actively started my recovery, there were, there was a lot of chaos. And some, you know, I'm not going to tell the whole story now how, how things came out, but like things came out and, and I needed to take action on them or, or I was going to lose things. And, and I had the right combination of stakes and also people supporting me. And I was just open to a change and ready and ready for a change. And um, probably the other major moment of change like that for me was uh, converting to Eastern Orthodoxy, Eastern Orthodox Christianity. And um, like I'd grown up in, in the church, uh, the Protestant churches, and just had a lot of challenges and, uh, <laughs> again, a lot, lot of story there. But, um, but, it, but it came to a point where I was – I knew I needed something, and, uh, and it was – I was ready. And, and then, you know – revelation happened the, the right people stepped into my life at the right time and um uh yeah and, and through, through that point of readiness i was able to accept something new but that point of readiness like 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 we're saying uh, it often comes through pain i had some losses that had some disappointment that had some disillusionment that had to kind of deconstruct everything that i once held to be true uh and yeah find myself kind of with nothing uh, and from that nothingness, uh, um, I found an openness to what was good. And so, yeah, so I guess that, that was kind of my, my rock bottom point. It's not, not quite the classic, like, I woke up in jail one day, but uh, I did kind of wake up one day and realize, like, I can't continue the way I'm continuing, and I don't know what to do. Yeah, well, and, and so I know when I was reading your bio, Obviously, you said that that was a turning point when you got into, um, became an Eastern Orthodox Christian. Tell our listening audience what that is, because I have to admit, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't know years ago. So, um, since, so to nerd out on uh, church history for just a moment. So, um, so Christianity, obviously, it starts with the, the person of, of Jesus Christ. 
two thousand years ago. And then um in the in the, the timeline, so there's the initial apostolic period where uh, the twelve disciples become the twelve apostles and that's what chronicled in the New Testament book of Acts. Um and then that is the beginning of the church. Uh and then there were in a, in the Middle Eastern European world there developed um some about five major centers of centers of the church, uh, major cities. So it was like Jerusalem, Antioch, Rome, Alexandria, um, Constantinople, Constantinople, which is now Istanbul. And those um uh, there was um the five bishops of each one were uh, basically the leaders of the church. And they were all conciliar, so they were all um equal peers. And then drama, drama, drama happens, and then the Bishop of Rome um, essentially breaks away and becomes the Catholic Church that we know today. And then from the Catholic Church um, emerged the, the Protestant Reformation and all that is like the Protestant Evangelical Movement today. Um, but all of this time in the East has been the, the Orthodox Church. So the, the, so the Eastern Orthodox Church, it's the ancient historic Christian faith um, and I mean, there's obviously a lot we could say about what that is, but that's that's what that is. That's where that is in time and in geography, and it's uh, nice. that's yeah, what that's that a is. little history. Now, let me ask you then: when you joined that uh, that Eastern Orthodox Christianity, how did that fit into creating a sober way of life? I mean, what makes sober people? distinct from others, and what do you mean by sober way of life? Yeah. Um, there's a – and it was actually just really recently. Um, I wrote a book called Thinking Orthodox, and um, in that book, the, the author, uh, Dr. Jeannie Constantino, she introduces this Greek word, phronema. And uh, essentially what that is, it's a way of thinking, feeling, believing, acting that constitutes, that constitutes a way of life. And, and, what, and in, in her book, she, you know, she's talking about you know, theology and churches, and so she compares and contrasts like the Orthodox phronema to the Catholic phronema to the Protestant phronema, and really uh, exploring how um, different these traditions are, like, even to the level of like, their, their very base assumptions. And their um, their foundational assumptions then lead to behaviors and 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 lifestyle. And so I was reading that, and then I started thinking, oh, I wonder if that concept could be brought into the sobriety world. Like, what is like the sober way of life compared to the acting out way of life? Um, and like, what are some like what do sober people think? What do they do? What do they believe? Like, how do they manage conflicts in relationships? And so, um, so that so that that was. That was the that was the offering the the language offering from from orthodoxy that started a lot of this question and um, what I'm discovering uh, as I'm beginning this process is that um, yeah sober people they tend to be marked by presence um, they tend to be marked by relationships marked by community like actively seeking relationships actively seeking community actively seeking to make contributions to the world, uh, actively seeking to gain more awareness of their own self, taking, you know, whether they call it a daily inventory or a check-in or going to confession or something, some manner of getting to know more of their inner life. And 
um, yeah, and it's this there then there there there's a calmness to them really um, uh, a calm non defensiveness. Um, what I and part of how I have been exploring this is um, I'm doing this series within a series in the podcast. Um, and roughly t- titling Lives of the Sober, where I'm, I'm tracking down now people who have been clean and sober 25 years or more and just asking, like, hey, so your, your life is a testimony that something you're doing is working. Like, what, it, what are you doing that's working? What have you been doing for 25 years or more to help you stay on this path? And, um, and the patterns jump out really fast. Like, it's people who they, they stay connected to people, they stay active, they take care of their bodies, they take care of their minds, they take an inventory of themselves, and um, and things like that. So, so just off the cuff, those are some of the things that jump out the most about uh, what sets a sober person apart from a non-sober person. Uh, it's it's the level of presence uh, that they can bring. Okay, and so obviously you have this podcast, the the Outer Circle Inner Stillness podcast, that teaches about what's necessary to to experience healthy sobriety, you know, and you talk about this isn't just about abstaining from sex or abstaining from drugs or alcohol. I mean, you believe that recovery is about much more than that. It's really about life transformation. So how do you help people experience life transformation as a counselor, as a podcaster. Yeah. How do I help people? Um, what I'm coming to discover is that I think we really seriously underestimate the power of a fully, like we underestimate the healing power of a fully present human being. And um, this idea, it's informed some by, uh, some some by orthodox thought, uh, a lot also by uh, internal family systems, um, that phronema. and um, both of these both of these are traditions that really emphasize like the inner life, getting to know um, the, the core of oneself. And we'd say in, in orthodoxy, you know, stepping, you know, mastering the passions. In uh, IFS speak, we talk about unblending from some parts, unburdening parts. Uh, and in both cases, getting down to what is the the, the true essence of a person. Um, in you know, in Christian speak, we we talk about that as the image of God, that is you know, pure and incorruptible. And in IFS, uh, we talk about the the self as marked by um, this fun alliterative list of uh, traits, where we say like the true the the core self of a person is calm and curious and compassionate and creative. And courageous and confident, and has clarity. They are more with all of, all of the parts if if you're able to access it. And so, um, what I'm discovering is that um, really working to be present with people seems to ev- evoke a lot of uh, certainly insight, certainly insight and confidence in gaining that insight. And perhaps that's as far as I can take people is is insight, and then from there they must uh, seek their own healing. Um, but what I can also offer, though, is in that insight space is, is attunement. And that's uh, referencing what we know from attachment science and interpersonal neurobiology is that when, when you are in the presence of someone who is fully present with you and attuned to you and 
feeling your feelings and um, able to validate your internal state with you and create for you that sense of feeling felt. That is the basis of secure attachment, which ideally, ideally forms when we're very young, um, but can also be developed as we grow as well. And from within the context of a secure attachment and a healthy relationship, um, there is a way that we're able to find what we need. We're able to grow in confidence, grow in insight, grow in courage. And, you know, with some specific facilitated conversations, do some work like unburdening and understanding the traumas and everything. Um, But I think all of the really particular, like, trauma interventions or uh, specific reflections and burdenings, et cetera, all of those are built on this foundation of relationship and secure attachment. And all of that is based on presence. So, so how do I, how do I help people? Um, <laughs> well, if, if, if any of this is working, it, it has to do with the, the, the degree to which um, people can be fully present with each other. And so that is the main tool that I bring to not, not intellectual data, although that's helpful, and not um, homework exercises, although I wish my clients would do them more. Uh, it's very much um, there is a healing power within each of us already, and we just have to be able to be with it. Hmm. I agree 100%. Now, let me ask you, uh, you said to be fully present and Boy, that is that is a spiritual concept. That is a mindfulness concept, and that is the key to to really being present in one's own life. And so, I'm going to ask you, what do you think the daily essentials are that every sober person needs besides learning how to be present? Yeah. Um, what are the daily essentials for? It's funny as we're as we're thinking through uh, questions for this. Say, of course, it's at the last minute that I think is like the question that like I really want to talk through. Um, it's this idea of like why why do we need stillness, and and so this would probably be the daily essential I'd really want to camp on uh, idea of stillness, silence, and um, you know a specific way that could look a specific uh, exercise that I'll give to people is can you spend you know five minutes a day in quiet. Um, and, and they say like only five minutes because like more than that becomes, uh, can become overwhelming, especially for beginners. And, um, the main, uh, one of the main important things is, is the consistency, um, way over quality, way over, uh, over quantity, uh, but like whatever you do, do it every day. And so starting with something like, can you be, uh, quiet for five minutes, so fully awake, no substances, no technology, um, uh, maybe walking, maybe sitting. Probably, probably sitting might be a little bit better, but uh, sitting or standing. Um, but can you can you be with yourself in the quiet for for even just a little bit? And why do we need this? Why do we need stillness? Why do we need silence? And coming from from within uh, Christian thought, Christian practice is you know we believe that in the inner stillness is the place where God speaks. And we're we're able to to most fully know know God and um, in the inner stillness in our our core self is is the image of God that is uh, through a variety of practices becoming transformed more into His likeness. Um, even apart from uh, specifically Christian thought, we'd recognize that the the true self of a person is the inner self. Uh, what happens in the inner life 
directly impacts what happens in the outer life. And without change in the inner life, there is no lasting change in the outer life. And so why do we need stillness? We need to get to our true self, our, our calm, curious, open-hearted, compassionate self. Uh, when we're there, we are for sure healed and able to be healed. And that is also the way we're actually most able to connect with other people. Um, there's this idea running around that like a, a good relationship is one with like a lot of compatibility or a lot of like common interests and shared interests. Uh, and I'm going to challenge that thought and say, no, it's possible to have uh, a deep intimacy, even with a lot of differing ideas and different beliefs and compatibility isn't what makes the relationship run as much as the ability to be present with each other and especially present with each other's big feelings. And so uh, <laughs> this is, and this is, uh, you know, something I definitely, I'm still exploring, still working on in, in my own marriage, you know, trying to be fully present, fully tuned to, you know, my wife and her feelings and her distress, and she's learning to do that with me. And, and it's very hard. It's, it's really very hard. Um, and we're very, very different people. And maybe some could even say on some level, like, not compatible people. Um, but, you know, you know, 14 years and three kids into uh, a very difficult endeavor, we find ways, and, and a lot of those ways have to do with the ways that we're able to be you know, fully present with ourselves and fully present with each other, fully compassionately curious, open to each other's experience. Uh, and when we do it well, it's really great. Um, and obviously there's variations. But, um, but yeah, so, so coming back to like the daily essentials, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, most of all the stillness. But... Um, aside from that, um, some sort of connection with another person is really essential, whether it's a conversation or even a quick, a quick text or face-to-face time would be wonderful. Uh, you know, I would lean toward, you know, some sort of body movement, body care, uh, and um, some sort of daily inventory, daily reflection, daily journaling, daily log, uh, daily check-in, where you look back and say, hey, what happened today? What did I feel today? What am I grateful for today? What's something I thought about today or just, you know, what's something I needed today? Uh, There's endless variations on what that reflection could be, but something, something that gets you to stop, slow down, look inward, and see what is there. Okay. Well, that really helps me to understand some of those outer circle values that you're ascribing to and, and really to understand what the core values are behind sober living. Now, again, you've got 25 years of recovery, and I know that you do a lot of coaching, if you will, um, when, when men and women tend to get complacent about their recovery or they go through what you call um, recovery fatigue. Can you say a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, and also to, to clarify, uh, I, I I have uh, about a decade of recovery. Uh, I'm, I'm not one of those <laughs> long-term saints yet. Um, I'm just talking with them. Um, but uh, yeah, working through working through the the recovery fatigue. So um, a lot of our life is built on small choices, uh, small choices that build up into bigger choices. And it's really important to recognize our lives as happening on a trajectory. Um, you know, my, my life, my recovery, it's not, 
I, I'm not finding it as helpful to think of it in terms of here's a, here's a goal, here's a milestone, here's a milestone, as much as here's a path, and I need to be on the path. And I need to be going a particular direction down the path. Um, so it helps me to consider that nothing I do is neutral. The interactions I have, the shows I watch, the music I listen to, the food I eat, um, like any sort of sexual experience, any sort of you know uh, substance experience, those are loaded experiences. They're not neutral, and they they set us on a trajectory toward a particular place. And so, um, so navigating recovery fatigue. So, so along with things like stay connected, stay rested, give yourself time to step away from things and rest and recharge, uh, is this idea of uh, making small choices that sets you on a healthy trajectory. And it gets to be small choices because it doesn't have to be anything major and extravagant. Um, like I don't need to like go on this you know expensive retreat to some mountain villa in Europe to like save my recovery, and I don't need all of this fancy you know software to you know make my life better, and I don't need like new toys and new technology and spa days not necessarily. Um, but what what I need is like small choices to say I should go to bed early, uh, or I should uh, maybe not have that second piece of cake, or I should. Um, write like a line in my journal uh, instead of you know tweeting another tweet, um, or I should you know send a quick text to somebody to say hey I'm thinking about you can you think of me can you pray for me, um, and and I think it is essential that we let our recovery be built on small choices, and and just make a lot of small choices in a trajectory toward toward our outer circle, uh, rather than thinking like oh my life is stressful, I need a new partner, or I need to, you know, move away or get a whole new job. I mean, sometimes we need those things, but there's a lot more cases, I think, when just like uh, a lot of small changes in, in, in succession actually amount to a lot of big changes. Okay, so you've given us some of the basics. How can people get a hold of you if they're interested in finding out more about you your philosophy, or your podcast. Yeah. So um, my practice website is newpatterncounseling.com, uh, newpatterncounseling.com. And my podcast, Outer Circle Inner Stillness, it's hosted on uh, some of the major po- uh, podcast platforms. You can look up more information there at patreon.com slash outer circle. Uh, and you can also support the show that way. Um, I have a, an Instagram account at New Pattern Counseling, and <clears throat> those would be the best ways to get a hold of me and follow the show and support the show. And yes, I'd absolutely love to hear from you. In particular, I, I am actively recruiting people, whether clinical people or lay people, who have 25 years or more of sobriety. And uh, if you're open to sharing your story, I would love to hear from you. Okay, well, now that is no small feat. I mean, let's face it, uh, when you say recovery, are you talking about any addiction? Yes, recovery from any substance, any behavior, uh, partner recovery, uh, so being the the partner of someone in recovery, uh, process addictions, uh, all are welcome. Um, When what I'm interested to discover, so far all of the people I've interviewed have uh, adopted a more abstinence, uh, classically abstinence-based model. But I am curious if there are some people who have managed to pull off 25 years of reduction doing moderation or doing harm reduction. And 
uh, if people like that are there, I would really love to hear from you too. Okay. Well, very good. So one more time, now that you've thrown that at us as, you know, really wanting professionals and lay people to get on the committee, as Patrick Carnes will call it, and, and help inspire people, one more time, give them your email address. Uh, my email is Reese uh, at newpatterncounseling.com. That's Reese spelled R-H-Y-S at newpatterncounseling.com. You can visit my website at www.newpatterncounseling.com or reach out to the podcast at patreon.com slash outer circle. I love that, Reese. I mean, you've, you really have a purpose. You have a mission. You know, I, I know you were listening when I was talking about what Patrick Kern said about going full circle and giving back and, you know, going through that tough suffering to get to the transformation and then giving back to others. And that is definitely what you've done. So thank you so much for your podcast. Thank you for the wisdom. Can they still buy your book? When I publish it, yes, I have not fully completed the book yet, but someday, someday I hope to have a book as well. Okay. Well, I knew that that was in the works, so I wish you the best with that. And anything else you want to say before we end? Mm. Prioritize the silence. That's good. No, I'm, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much. You take care. You too, Carol. Thank you. I am choking over here. I don't know on what. You know, he's got a lot of passion. And I invite you to take a look at his podcast, Outer Circle, Inner Stillness, and see if it doesn't resonate with you. He's looking for that long-term recovery, and he wants to help you get there. So thank you, Reese, for reaching out. And I'm going to end the show since I'm really ready to uh, really ready to choke on my own words. But truly, I want you to visit my website, www.sexhealthwithcaroldecoach. It will turn into early recovery couples work. It will show you some workshops I'm doing, some trainings I'm doing, and um, I so look forward to to doing the show next week, and I'm going to have Marnie Freaker on talking about her couples community next Monday. So we'll see you then. And as I say at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. Make it a good one, and have a great week. <laughs>